Badass. Welcome to the Radiant Badass. If hashtag girl boss doesn't really do it for you, but you're not ready to pack it in, we have a place for you. I'm your host, Elizabeth Holmes. No, not the one that's on trial for defrauding investors, though. And I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, it's the booze episode. I know, I'm just as surprised as you are. I honestly wasn't expecting to do an episode about booze, but I have some thoughts, so here I am. I started thinking about it when I was writing an episode recently about some stuff I've learned about being a parent. It's not really parenting advice, it's just observations of some of the things that have served me well on that wild ride. And anyway, I was thinking about the story and about the time when my kids told me why they don't drink. So here's that story. The four of us, my husband, me, and our two kids, were driving somewhere. This was pretty recent, and I want to say this was last summer, but since my perception of time is all whacked out, it could have been any time in the last 18 months or so. It, it doesn't really matter. But So somehow our conversation turned to the fact that at this point in time, our kids, in their late teens, early 20s, don't drink. One made it all the way through high school without an alcohol incident, and the other is well on their way to that milestone as well. Like, just a second here, don't get your panties in a wad. I get that my kids are still young, and I'm for sure not declaring victory over keeping them off booze, but I am going to celebrate that they've made it this far. For all I know, my son is vaping his way around his college town with a backpack full of beer. I mean, I hope he's not, but, you know, I like, who knows? So anyway, when I asked him, why don't you drink? And they said, because you guys don't drink. And I was shook. The sheer simplicity of that answer. Like, you mean to tell me that your kids watch what you do? Like, for real? That's not just a thing people say. That whole, they learned it by watching you, all right, PSA from the 80s wasn't bullshit. Like, who fucking knew? And I'm not even joking here. The concept that my parents would take any responsibility for my early experimentation and subsequent tempestuous relationship with alcohol is wild fucking wild. It's also totally valid that they should take some responsibility. I was raised with the idea that drinking and even drinking to excess was a super cool thing that adults did when they got together with their friends. So what did I do? I drank, often to excess, when I got together with my friends. And because I've always been a little extra, I went ahead and took those drugs for a test drive too. But I thought it was what all the grown-up, sophisticated people did. And good Lord, did I want to be grown up as soon as possible. So I kept drinking. It loosened me up, made me more fun, gave me something in common with the cool kids, and it numbed out all the bad feelings. And that was a biggie. What I thought was just normal teenage carousing was a little more intense than that. I for sure gravitated towards friends who had the same interests as I did. I mean, don't we all? Those interests were drugs, sex, and rock and roll. It all seemed pretty normal to me. And when things got rough, we partied more. And in my 20s, I did cut out the drugs because things had escalated and people around me were dying. But hey, alcohol was still okay because it's just drinking, right? Booze was my mood stabilizer. Stressed about work? Have some wine. Exhausted by the demands of parenting? Travel mug of mommy juice at soccer practice is just the thing. I mean, all the cool moms were doing it anyway. 
And if I just need to relax for a minute, happy hour with friends, a great way to take the edge off. Or better yet, cut loose on a vacation without kids, day drinking for the win. And all of it felt so damn normal. That's what people do. It's fun, right? And I rolled along with it for such a long time. I was still having at least a glass of wine just about every evening after work to de-stress when my kids were in elementary school. As did most of my friends, so I didn't question. Sure, I did start waking up on occasion with a panic attack after a social evening, and it did start to get pretty standard for me to have an episode of heart palpitations after an evening of drinking, but that's just part of the deal, right? My friends and I even joked about having the wine palps. And I'm sure these things aren't related at all, but I did end up in a health crisis at about this time. Because for sure you can carry all that stress, try to drink it away, and you should be fine, right? That's how I ended up in a naturopath's office with her eliminating all of the joy from my life. She said if I wanted to get better, I needed to agree to no caffeine, no alcohol, no sugar, no gluten, no dairy, no fun. But I was scared really scared. And fear will get your shit square right away. So I quit all the wonderful things as requested, and my body slowly detoxed. So this stretched into several years where I was still off alcohol and caffeine, also dairy and gluten. So for sure, sugar crept back in because I'm human. But after my body got rid of all that shit, it felt so good. And I'd learned that I didn't need alcohol to be a grown-up. And that even sophisticated people aren't always drinkers. So amazing. Like, look at that. A healthy relationship with booze after all those years. Then I went back out in society, which I understand sounds very Victorian or whatever, but it's true. I'd stuck pretty close to home while I recovered. And now that I was healed, it was time to get back out there, get back to normal. And out there had so much booze. Today's society drinks like it is our job. I just saw a statistic that there was a 12% growth in alcohol sales in Oregon in 2020 during the pandemic. So clearly, I'm not the only one who was relying on a strong liver to help metabolize all the bad feelings. There's just so much booze. And friends, not to be a total fucking downer, but alcohol is a neurotoxin. I know, boo, right? And as I started to socialize more, it felt really weird to be a non-drinker. I didn't think twice about it when I was mostly in my small social circle. But wow, like now every social event felt like an after-school special about drinking and peer pressure. I wasn't sober, like how we define it. Like I hadn't been to rehab and I wasn't working the steps. I just didn't drink and it made me feel like a total weirdo. And the women around me treated me like I was a weirdo. Or in the alternative, got super defensive about their drinking. And I'd be like, bitch, I'm not judging you. I'd just like a non-alcoholic option at this business networking event. Is that too much to ask? It's bullshit. And women don't need to rosé all day with their mommy juice. What they need is a truly supportive work environment and actual hands-on help raising their kids. What they need is support to find their voice and figure out why they have that niggling feeling that something just isn't right. What they need is the ability to say that this lifestyle they signed up for isn't working for them anymore and they're going to make some changes. And you're not going to get your life right by having an alcohol-soaked girls weekend away twice a year. I got to admit, though, I backslid. 
I started back with booty calls with my shitty ex. Alcohol. <laughs> I'm sorry. A booty call with my shitty ex. It started with having a cocktail at happy hour. Then a glass of wine at a charity dinner. Then maybe two glasses of wine. You know, just to be cool. But it felt so wrong. The upside of feeling like I fit in was outweighed by the downside of feeling like shit. Physically and mentally. Booze does no favors for my anxiety. And I kept being bewildered by my choice to continue to indulge in this relationship. At this point, the books started to find me. And I know that when the books start to appear, it's time for me to pay attention. I discovered a whole new, well, new to me, women's sobriety movement. Two of the books that really hit with me were Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker. This is an amazing work. Holly started a whole online sober community, which if you see with my previous statistic about the pandemic increase in drinking, that's really needed. In this book, Holly goes deep in the marketing of alcohol to women and the tremendous toll it's taking on us physically and mentally. It's really going to piss you off, but you need to read it. I also got a lot out of Laura McCowan's We Are the Luckiest, even as it wrecked me. In the latter part of the book, she takes on the issue of being honest and all the ways we lie. And ooh, that's continued to echo through my life. Important stuff. So I read the books and I thought about my relationship with alcohol, about my desire to fit in and where that was coming from, about my feelings of overwhelm and why I thought wine would help. So hello and fuck you to the marketers of wine. And I decided I wanted a different way. And here's what I appreciate about this new movement. There's space for just reevaluating your relationship to alcohol. And that's what I needed. Was I getting good things out of it? Was it making my life better? I mean, isn't that how you evaluate other relationships in your life? If something or someone consistently makes you feel shitty, should you continue to conduct your relationship in the same way? No. You should make changes. That's what I did. Am I sober by the AA definition? No. But I don't have time to get into my issues with AA here. Do I have a healthy relationship with alcohol? Yeah, I think I do now. So it's true that in my kid's memory, I don't drink. There are times I have a drink if I feel like it, but most of the time I don't feel like it. And how grateful am I that I didn't send the message to my kids that you needed to drink to be an adult? Super grateful. But I also need to note here that neither of my kids are that jacked about being adults. They are more than willing to stay on my payroll for a little bit. And hey, I get it. I myself don't think society has made being an adult look that awesome, but they have no choice. Time marches on and mama is ready to spread her wings. Anyway, here's the kind of preachy part. You probably thought that this whole thing was pretty preachy, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. Clearly, you're a grown-ass person and it's your life, but I've reduced my chances of getting breast cancer and seven other cancers. I've reduced my chances of developing dementia My anxiety is less triggered, and I never wake up with a fuzzy recollection of part of the night before. If I say or do something stupid, I have to own it. I can't blame it on booze. But that's okay, because I also greatly reduce the odds of doing that, too. That's all great stuff. But also, here, let's pretend we're friends. We are friends. 
But we're out for dinner and you start telling me about this relationship that makes you feel shitty physically and mentally and really emotionally too. And the only good part is the momentary release you get from the stress of your life. I guess it would be like if you told me that the sex was the only good part of your relationship, sort of. Not a perfect analogy. Because if you were getting grade D, I might tell you to stay in the relationship. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. I would tell you to reevaluate that relationship. I would tell you that there is other great D out there. If you feel a little tug at all in listening to this episode, I'd encourage you to look at your relationship with booze. Enough of the preachy stuff. You're like, Elizabeth, you said this was the booze episode. That means it should be fun and just a good time. It's like, newsflash, booze is not just fun and a good time. I've turned into such a downer. That's cool. And because I love you all so much, You'll find the links to the books I mentioned, plus some other alcohol education-related links. If you find that you want to change the relationship and you can't quite do it on your own, there is all kinds of support available. And it's so exceedingly brave to take that first step. And I'm rooting for you. Thanks for listening. I'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave me a solid review. If you want to take this to the next level, you can sign up for my newsletter at radiantbadass.com. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at radiantbadass. You know, I'd love to hear from you. And as always, thank you to my producer and coach, Chris Martin. Hit him up at curiosity.builders or Chris Martin Studios for your chance to work with him. This has been the Radiant Badass. I'm Elizabeth Holmes. See you next time.